Here's a news flash. Surprise, surprise. Well, look at you. The whole world is watching for my next move. Oh, my God. Times have changed. There are no rules. You're going to love it. Hi, and welcome to Skip Intro, the podcast from Binge, all about the world's best television. Each week, we're here to discuss the biggest news shows on Binge, along with our dinner party recommendations. My name is John Bowen, here with Ali Hubbard Burns, and together we look after all the great TV and movies that you see on Binge. Ali, like, this is the episode, right? Like, this is this is why the podcast exists. I'm too excited. We're talking about, I think, for you and I, one of our favourite shows of all time, which is Succession, which is back with season four. So for the next 10 glorious weeks, this podcast will be discussing Succession every week. We will be going a bit general today as a spoiler for those that um, aren't up to date. Um, But if you've never watched Succession, we'll also tell you all the reasons why you should. And in the spirit of billionaires that rule the world, we've also got a new documentary, The Rise of the Billionaire. And the kind of small group of very powerful people that somehow seem to be controlling the world through technology and media and lots of other things. So it's a look into um, how the other half live. Plus our dinner party recommendations, our favourite things streaming now for you on Binge. Should we get stuck into it? Yeah. Let's head over to the offices of Waystar Royco for succession. My boy Squiggle cooked up this beat for me. Her just called me soy boy. You lack killer instinct. You're wet, you're green, you're intellectually insecure. I'm proud of my family. Your principles? The fourth and final season of Succession begins today on Binge, with the warring Roy family tearing itself apart at the end of season three. Will the show finally live up to its name and declare a new boss of the family business? Ali, so Lex, lay everything out. If you're listening to this, as Ali said, and you've never watched Succession, Lex, get everyone up to speed. And if you are dying to watch the premiere of season four, it is out for you right now. But yeah, Lex, lay the groundwork, Ali. There's three seasons that are out so far. What's happened? Well, if you were one of the people, and there are lots of people out there that haven't got into succession yet, I would start by saying you're very lucky because you've got 29 episodes in the can ready to watch that will, yeah, hopefully change your mind and and, and lead you to a new favourite show. The succession is ultimately a family story. It's set in the world of media and the Roy family, helmed by Brian Cox, who plays the lead role, the father, who has presided over this media organisation for for decades, built it up to be the very powerful organisation that it is, and he has four children. Three of them work in the business, one of them who doesn't. The four children aren't all. One of the eldest son is a half-brother, but the other three are, are full siblings. And you're following the story of their dynamic as they try to control the outcome of what happens with this business and who will ultimately succeed their father at the top. But the world of media and the high-flying billionaire world that it's in is kind of the secondary story. It's very interesting watching bad people do things or rich people and the decisions they're making. And their world is quite cocooned because I think when you're that powerful, not many people understand that world. So there's an interesting element in this show because you do get a sneak into that universe. But it's ultimately driven by universal themes of love, thwarted love, thwarted love with your partner, thwarted love by your parent, the dynamics that you experience with your siblings that it's ironic that you often don't grow out of some of those embedded, embedded dynamics that are in a family. Interestingly, you're watching the right things being done for maybe the wrong reasons or the wrong thing being done for the right reasons, like there's motivations and, and, and human emotion at its core. 
But without going on too much, without drawing breath, one of the things I love about Succession is who's written it and what's behind it. You've got a blend of comedic writers and a blend of English and American writers across theatre, sitcoms and drama. So this is, for all its developed and, and more intense human emotion, it pulls you back and it punctuates it with the humour that balances out what's going on in this very, very dysfunctional but also quite familiar family. We have seen how many shows in the world are about families in all the different ways that they come together. Yeah. Have I done it justice, John? You have, you have. You've hit the three points I wanted to make, which was it's at its core just a family story, which is why it is so relatable, whether you are billionaires taking over a media empire, family running a farm, or just a family trying to get by. These same dynamics exist in all those environments. The world of media and billionaires and helicopters and private islands is great to watch and it's fun setting. So that's the other amazing reason to watch it. And I think why, frankly, why the media and the press love the show so much It is because of the thematic setting of it. And then thirdly, it's funny. Like this is prestige drama television but is also so so funny and like you said that comes from the writers and the creators and the behind the scenes people that are involved you could watch this show just for the jokes like if you didn't care about the family you didn't care about media you could still just watch it because it is so funny but so biting so yeah they are the three core reasons to watch succession so yeah you nailed it and you know the media element and the setting aside it's a very classic dramatic situation it's you know it's almost a trope of drama and theatre. Oh, it's like it's just Shakespearean. It's yeah, who is controlling, who is controlling the situation and and the fight for power and quite a basic human emotion. You don't have to be a bad person to want to know where you fit in and how you fit in and who can see you and who who can't and why you're not your your value and your what you're worth. Like you know, House of the Dragon and Game of Thrones, they're very different shows, but at their core, they're sort of exploring very similar themes. Like this is a story as old as time. (laughs) So at the end of season three, so over the course of the three seasons, we've seen we've seen a lot. (laughs) Yeah. So season one, and again, there will be some spoilers, but it's starts with why is there a reason for succession so you actually start with logan roy the head of the family becoming ill so the first season there's a lot of jostling of who's who has to succeed because there was almost an emergency where it felt very much like he was going to die and someone had to step up straight away spoiler he recovers and then season two and three look at as they're in a media sector that is consolidating and maybe he doesn't want to be the boss of this for his whole life what's next for this business do they expand and take over more companies, which in itself requires funding and and smarts, or do they sell? Um, So you then start to see the options for the family, which have pros and cons for them all play out over the following two seasons with a huge dose of personal story going on as well, because at the same time, these siblings are getting married, they're getting divorced, they're going through tragic situations, often of their own creation, but sometimes that they step into, which is kind of really what drives the story through. But we left them at the end of season three with the three kids effectively trying to intervene to stop their father selling the business. Um, He's gone and created a a deal uh, behind their backs. They think they've got the ability to stop this deal happening and they ultimately find that their mother has sold them out in a corporate structure. So they're coming together for the very first time combined in their desire to defeat their father and gosh, aren't they strong when they come together but then they're ultimately thwarted as well because he's a corporate maverick and he's one step ahead of them. So we kind of left them on this major betrayal and we pick up with season one of episode four with almost like the three stooges. They've come together and it's 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 the kids versus the dad. 
Yeah, so without getting too spoilery about uh, season four, episode one, I think what we can say is there's a little time jump. There's a couple of months that have taken place since the the end of season three, and the kids, as they're, they're referred to, <laughs> the kids are sort of they're banded back together. They've got a they've got a common enemy, um, which is their father, and we see them at the start of season four, basically trying to go out on their own and deciding. You know, if the family business is behind them and they're going to get a payout and what are they going to do? So we see them like getting pitched logos for this new company they're going to start. But then not very long into this first episode, they basically see an opportunity to uh, seek revenge on their father and they kind of go for it. So season four is really set up for this battle by the looks of it between children and father. And previously in this show, it's always been some combination of one of the siblings has sided with the father or one of the the siblings are fighting with each other. But it's a really interesting dynamic now that the three kids have decided, nope, dad screwed them over one last time, like one too many times. Yeah. They're going to go for it. There's this like building tension though of they've been in these kind of established routines and patterns where they've all been vying for their father's love and attention. And they, their siblings have been their enemies rather than this combined force against their father. But you do just sit there in this episode going, who who might break this alliance first? Is somebody going to put their own needs ahead and, and maybe join back with their dad? There was that building sense as the episode went on. But I also felt there was like a relaxed state between them. There was like an excitement. They had the option to do things together in this this new venture and you know whilst there are the four kids three that are kind of working in the business have really gone well if dad's going to sell this we're going to get money and with that money we can go off and do something together new and fresh without his control the fourth brother connor the eldest brother has interest in politics he's not you know he really he's still sort of comically running for president i know Um, trying to get one percent of the vote or something but you know he's still in the mix because he sits on the board and i think there's going to be a lot more of connor coming in to this season as well the eldest brother and the role he'll play but the over other overlay here is at the end of season three shiv the sister of the four kids is effectively um betrayed also by her husband who almost starts season four as the only remaining kid really that's still still aligned with rogan the dad even though he's married in he's effectively chosen the power of his father-in-law versus the love of his wife for those that have watched seasons one to three you you kind of know why why tom has chosen that it's not necessarily a great marriage um, between him and shiv and he's always been kind of presented as this bumbling fool but yeah gosh that final episode of season three tom came into his own as a one of the most machiavellian characters that you could ever see happening so um yeah yeah lots of other stories going on aren't there yeah I, and i think what's so exciting like obviously you hate to see a show that you love end but i think what's so exciting about ending at season four is that we are going to get a conclusion like these shows when they run eight ten seasons Every season there's some problem and then it's resolved and then you just start again. Like the idea that we're actually going to see probably something quite tragic happen. Like I haven't seen the episodes, but I feel like this show is not going to end well, as in not going to end good for anybody. That's so my prediction. So we should just say they have announced that this is the yes. final season. So as we come into this final season, the creator, Jesse Armstrong, has has said this is the end. I wanted to go out on a high. We couldn't write the arc for this season without knowing at the very beginning if it was going to be the last. And yeah. I think for that reason, we're, um, we should buckle in for, <laughs> which is why it's exciting, but also sad, but I know when the, when the, when the opening credits played in the episode and I was like, how can this be the 10th last time we're going to have the excitement yeah. of a new episode? And for those 
bands of credits. There are updated credits with some great new social references to date yeah. for what's happening today in the media industry as well. But Ali, exciting local news, and I don't know how we've gotten this far without talking about him. Cousin Greg, do you want Nic- to share, share the news? Can you share the news? We can absolutely share the news. Okay. So we have Nicholas travelling to Australia very shortly, visiting Australia to do some press and some meet and greets ahead of episode two. And we'll be having a Q&A with him whilst he's in Sydney. He's travelling to Melbourne and Sydney. Can't wait to host him here in Australia and to really get an opportunity to talk to him about what it's like being on this show. It's known for its its brilliant writing, but also just the depths of the, of, of the dramatic performances. I think for the last few years in the Emmy races for best actor and best supporting actor they've almost been competing against their fellow actors in the show because so many of them are getting nominations but cousin greg you could argue who you know is the character that nicholas plays is kind of like every man's favorite and he's almost like that everyday person that's placed into this family that is used as a bit more of a reference point from what the audience are feeling to go this world is so crazy like the world he gets popped into but how quickly he gets kind of consumed in it as well. And what we're saying before, those human emotions, those basic human emotions, yeah. you can kind of see how it gets corrupted. Money and power is uh, intoxicating. <laughs> He's a cousin of the family who kind of enters the fray in season one, but he aligns with the character of Tom. So he finds himself at the beginning of season four on the side of the dad. I can't wait to hear from him a little bit more about that, but we'll be sharing some of that interview with the podcast listeners in the coming weeks. Cool. Well, obviously, we could talk about this forever, and we are going to talk about it for at least. Can we please? Like, it's Saturday morning. I've got nothing else to do now. We're just going to sit and talk about this forever. (laughs) But we are going to keep you up to date with the episodes as they drop every week. So please catch up so you can follow along with the conversation. But for now, new episodes of Succession are released Mondays on Binge at 12 p.m. Eastern Time. Fast track from the US, aren't they? They come straight off satellite or whatever. I'm not sure if it's still a satellite, maybe a little bit of fiber (laughs) cable, Uh, but the exact, exact same time as the US with new episodes rolling out until the finale drops on May 29th. So keep that in the diary. Why does everyone ask how I'm feeling? I got done a huge deal. I got the election. I got ATM. I got plenty on my plate. He's on the floor, Tom. Explain me what he's doing. He's moseying, terrifyingly moseying. It's like if Santa Claus was a hitman. The new four-part documentary series, The Rise of the Billionaires, charts the founders behind Amazon, Facebook, Google, and Tesla, and the enormous wealth and power they have amassed. This early internet story is the how we got to now, the world that we inhabit. This is the very beginning. We're moving to Seattle and starting a company. He stuck his neck out so far, and if he didn't deliver, it was game over for him. Ali, this starts out in 1994, um, and across the four eps goes pretty much up till, you know, today. Watching Succession, you know, it's fun and you get a laugh because, you know, it's so unrelatable and unreal. But then you watch Rise of the Billionaires and these people are building rockets and buying islands and uh, maybe controlling everything we do in our lives. And it's a little more terrifying than Succession. It is, but it's, it's, I just like it when it's, kind of that Neil nostalgia, like something's happened in our lifetime or not that long ago that explains what's happening now. So what's really good about this episode and this series is it takes you back to a a moment where there is a change in law and approach from the government. So this is at the beginning um, of the internet um, in the 90s and Al Gore, who was um, vice president, um, makes a change to how the internet can be utilised 
for the sake of kind of freedom of information, but also it opened up the commercialization of the internet. He talked about it always being free and being done for the right reasons, but it effectively set off a chain of structural events that meant that the rise of Silicon Valley and the commercialization of things like search engines and access to information and the value that comes from data starts to take off. It's really interesting. It goes kind of from the 90s kind of all the way up till now, but you meet some of the major players very early on great archive interviews with people like Jeff Bezos. But it starts with Bill Gates, who at the beginning of this kind of story is top of the tree. And as the internet opened up even more broadly, how it started to disrupt his business. And then this great competition that starts to take off between Jeff Bezos, who was, I never knew this, but he was a Wall Street analyst. He was working on the floor trading. And as part of that, had to understand what was driving the performance of of certain sectors um, and was covering kind of some of these early internet businesses and he and his now ex-wife but at the time partner Mackenzie Bezos they they quit their high-paying jobs they were kind of like a dinks couple living the high life in New York they both made a calculated decision to leave their jobs drive across the country to Seattle and they saw an opportunity with the internet which was books selling books over the internet because you didn't need to be in a shop so much and as long as you could have the biggest selection he felt that they could win so it starts telling his story um, up against the story of, of Microsoft but as the episodes go on we also meet Elon Musk with one of his first endeavors before even PayPal and then before Tesla by episode three you're being introduced to the kind of the early story of Google and I also learned that Jeff Bezos was a really early um, investor in Google which was really interesting and so yeah and then obviously Mark Zuckerberg starts to come in as well in the later episodes so it's really kind of tracking these huge changes but they've been things that have happened behind the scenes we haven't necessarily seen or understood how this could happen and this documentary is really interesting about placing in context the economy and the politics behind this power I think it's it's really well done and it's also there's almost something like spooky about it because you're seeing these like young fresh-faced Jeff Bezos's and Mark Zuckerberg's and they're like in these like cramped little offices working on like computers with massive screens and (laughs) to think now they've been propelled to literally the richest most powerful people that have ever existed in the world and it's only it's been it's only taken a few decades and it's just because they were you know they were smart obviously but it was also right place right time like you said Jeff Bezos especially was tracking the internet saw that it was growing like thousands of percent a year even though those thousands of percent were tiny numbers at the time and he's like this thing's gonna take off and he was right Mm -hmm. But yeah, just to see the wealth and the power that's been amassed in these few companies that... um... And by such a few group of people. And one of the things that's kind of interesting and it kind of brings up more of an ethical question, it's it's, it's concentrated power within a similar type of person, kind of asking is the concentration of power in that few people wise or, you know, even if they start off well-intentioned. This, act, this has really great access to archive footage of interviews with all of these people. I mean, some of the early ones, interviews with Elon Musk are just so interesting and remarkable. He's getting his first big flashy car and also a lot of the executives that were working for these guys during the early days as well. So really, really interesting access. So if you're interested in finance and economics and just a bit of social history, really, because you understand the world because we use it 
Like yeah. even if you don't understand what's going on in the background, I was like, well, these are all brands and services that we interact with. So it's always quite interesting watching a documentary that is familiar in that regard. All all four episodes of Rise of the Billionaires, uh, depending on when you're listening to this podcast, uh, is streaming tomorrow uh, from Tuesday, March 28th on Bid. This is some science. This is an ego trip. The future is built by the people who believe it can be better. Should the fate of the human race be placed in the hands of a couple of billionaires? Well, I love that you and I always talk, John, about needing to have a sitcom or something on the go, like something that you know there are 50, 100 plus episodes that you can just pop on. And we see this behavior so much with binge customers, things like The Office and Friends are you know, always on high rotation, something familiar that when a show that you're waiting for or when it finishes that you can keep going. So today I want to talk about a sitcom, not a new one, one of our favorites over many years, uh, which is Veep. But the reason I recommend Veep is two of the creators and executive producers of Succession also first came together and worked together on Veep in Jesse Armstrong and Frank Rich. So if there was ever a time to connect you to a brilliantly written satirical comedy that is bitingly honest with its reflection of power in the world, this time instead of billionaires, it's of course looking at the Vice President of America, a character played by Julie Louise Dreyfus with a brilliant ensemble cast of her chief of staffs and all the people, power brokers or wannabe power brokers behind her role in politics across seven seasons, 65 plus episodes, so nominated and awarded for the performances in this. And if you like clever, funny, well-written comedy, I suggest you add Veep to your rotation if you haven't found this show yet. Excellent recommendation. I think I'm up to, I must be up to like my fourth or fifth rewatch of that show since it's aired. So it's almost on like an annual rewatch at this point. But yeah. It's like a comedic West Wing. It like takes yeah. that setting, you're deep inside kind of the West Wing. Well, not not the West Wing, which is no, very wherever they to... hang out. Yeah. Where do they hang out? I, it's West like Wing. some building across the road from the White House. <laughs> yeah. The wannabe powerhouse. But anyway, yeah. um, but it's, it's hilarious. It's very, very funny. Look at this. What is it? They're calling you the no BS VP. Damn right they are. <laughs> I mean, I lied and everything, but it sounded true at least. Uh -huh. What about you? What are you recommending this week? Well, I'm going to stick in the comedy world and I'm going to make the most obvious recommendation that I can. I have a good excuse to talk about it this time, but it is, of course, Taskmaster. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. I know we haven't talked about it like as a recommendation. No, no. It's probably been episodes since I've since I've mentioned Taskmaster. Have you been watching the Australian version on Channel 10? Yeah, yeah. I think it's done. I think it's well done. Glad we got a local version. But I'm not recommending the local version. I'm very, very excited that season 15 of Taskmaster is being fast-tracked for the very first time to Australia on binge. So Whoa. season 15 starts this Friday, which is March 31st in Australia. New episodes are going to go out every week. They're going to drop at 9 a.m. in the morning, just after they've finished airing in the UK. So very convenient breakfast, lunchtime, whenever whenever well, you want to watch right it over the weekend. Well, supposed to be sitting down and doing some work. You can just be... Yeah, watch a bit of Taskmaster. <laughs> but yeah, like I said, it's up to season 15. I don't think the show's ever properly been fast-tracked in Australia just because it's been on multiple networks and all that. But we're really excited. We've got the back catalogue on Binge and now we're finally bringing you brand new episodes fresh from the UK. So yeah, March 31st, jump into season 15 of Taskmaster or start from the beginning, whatever you want to do. But also just to break a little bit of news for our exclusive podcast listeners, also really exciting. Later this year, we're also going to be getting Taskmaster New Zealand. So Ooh. yeah, very excited to be adding that to the catalogue as well. I love the smell of a new series in the evening. Drink it in. Is this a trick? 
Come on a boat. Yes, you're on a boat. Oh, what a season! Mm. It's time for the sausage exam. Grow up! Okay, this week on Skip Intro, we talked about Succession. We talked about Rise of the Billionaires. Ali recommended that you revisit Veep. And I reminded everybody that Taskmaster is getting fast-tracked to binge from this Friday with season 15. All of these are available to stream on binge, which, of course, you can find on your favourite device. I'm John Boehm, joined every week by Ali Herbert Burns. Thank you so much for listening. This podcast was produced by Dan Barrett with audio editing and mixing by Chris Yates. And we'll be back next week with more succession and more skip intro.